soul sisters let me hear your flow sisters hey sister go sister soul sister flow hey guys welcome back we have molly in the studio and are continuing our conversation great to have you here happy june everybody Thanks, Avery. And you probably noticed my mic is fixed. Yeah, you can <laughs> so you, hear her. Oh, you can hear me. I don't sound like I'm 5,000 miles away. Yeah, editing that was so not fun. I was like, oh, great. But yeah, if, if you could hear what she was saying, it was so wise. And um, I know that that's just going to continue. Yeah, it. Um, I, I believe it did what it did. So totally. I'm just going to, God, you got this. You got my voice. Let let that carry. Well, your voice carry. Yeah, your yeah. voice too, for sure. Yeah. Um, so this episode is something that's been on my heart since the beginning of this journey of starting the soul season, um, because I personally went through a really long period of time where I wasn't dating anybody and I was okay with that. And then other times I wasn't, and I was like, no, I'm good. And it wasn't. And I know that like we've bonded over that and talked about that. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about the single season of our lives and kind of flip the script on the narrative that the world tells us. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll give you, I guess I'll give you my story. So I have been single for quite some time. I'm partially my choice and I'll, I'll get into that and I'll um, keep it very surface level. Just again, just boundaries and whatnot. So my story is, is I did have a serious, I wouldn't say serious boyfriend because young love sometimes isn't serious. If we're honest, if we're honest, we think we're getting married in high school or middle uh-huh. school, but like not really. But I had dated someone and we dated for a while and um, we ended up breaking up and it was his decision. It kind of came out of nowhere and he really broke up with me for my friend. And it wasn't, you know, I'm not dissing anyone on here. It wasn't, you know, my friend honored me and whatnot and was like, hey, like, I just want to give you a heads up on like, you know, your ex asked me out. And whatnot. And I remember I was really, I was really devastated by that. And that kind of like really hurt my confidence and self-esteem. And I already struggled with that. Um, That was probably like my biggest insecurity. And uh, so I also was sort of struggling in my faith. I had a a lot going on in high school internally that I don't think a lot of people knew about. I think on the outside, I look like this Christian girl who probably lied to her parents one too many times about the amount of parties I would go to. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, my sister and I have a running joke and this is not funny, but it's supposed to be funny now is that strict parents made a, made us the best liars. And my parents weren't oh. strict, but they just made us really good liars jokingly. Um, but you know, I probably looked more like a fraud and a hypocrite to be honest with you to most people, because at least my friends who didn't go to church or weren't Christians, like their parents knew pretty much everything about them. But my parents didn't really know all the internal struggles that I was going through. Oh, wow. And I just had a lot of questions about my faith and whatnot. And, you know, that happened to me. And I didn't, I struggled a lot with worthiness. So um, I mentioned this in the last podcast that I was really a, a shell of myself. And I was, and I just, I never went there with guys. And I played it as I friend zone them, which is very true. I would friend zone any guy that showed any interest in me. And I was an athlete, so I was around a lot of athletes, and those were my guy friends because I just would friend zone them. And it was because I didn't really believe that I was afraid. I was really more of afraid that, like, if they, like, really knew the real me, they would run really far away. So 
I'm like, it's senior year for me. I'm ready to go to college and ditch everything I know and just be super single. And that's exactly what happened. I went to college and um, that's when my life kind of hit rock bottom, like personally with my family, with a lot of things that came to the surface. And that on top of like a really hard breakup um, kind of wrecked me a little bit and four guys. And so it was all physical for me. So I use alcohol, drugs and boys to really like deal with that emotional pain and um very much ran far away i want to say from home just because just because i didn't want to deal with it so i was very avoidant um had a death of a friend and like the death of my grandparents like all of this happened in a, in a lifespan of like four years and so i finally um i get out of college and now i'm chasing a career and really not too much not too much of that has changed. It's just I have a little bit more money to um, drink more often, you know, do more drugs, you know, find more guys. And I live in multiple cities. And um, I just, I, I don't think I ever really, I'll say this, I don't think I ever really truly genuinely desired a marriage until I started following Jesus again. Like I loved my single life because I was very selfish I got the dopamine hits that I wanted from substance abuse and I got it from I got the worthiness which was was which was false security from my career and from guys that didn't really know me. They just knew drunk Molly. They just knew Molly through text messages. They just knew the shell of me and I wouldn't let anyone in including like other friends and whatnot. Um you know, I did have friends who knew me very very deep, but that was a very very small amount of people. And so it wasn't until I re-surrendered my life to Jesus at 27 when I lived in New York City and I started to desire a marriage because I actually got to see what a godly marriage looked like, what a, what a fruitful godly marriage looked like. And I wanted that. And I feel like since I've been 27, the Lord has just hidden me on purpose. And I want to say this, he's hidden me. Because I look back and I now see it and I even see it, see it in this continued season of waiting is the healing he has done that wouldn't have happened if I was dating even like good godly men, like Christian men. Like I look at myself at 27 and 28 when I first came back and I'll say this in a healthy way, deconstructing my faith to reconstruct my relationship with Jesus, to answer the hard questions and to get to know him deeper, not to destroy or demolish my faith, but to get to know him deeper with in a healthy community that helped me walk out, walk in that journey, I was not ready. I wasn't ready. I always say like you need the character integrity to heal. Well, it's, it's the same thing. It goes hand in hand when you want a godly fruitful marriage, it's breaking generational curses. And I, um, I look back now and I'm like 20, even 29, 30 year old Molly was, was not like, I wasn't ready. Like I just wasn't healthy enough for for to receive the gold like a gold of a godly man and um that's gonna lead well that's gonna love me well and um god had to get to those places he's like hey we have to redefine how you see love we have to redefine how you see yourself first and foremost yeah, how i so see important. you like i love you and you need to see that and i've always struggled with body image to be vulnerable i've always struggled with yeah. it and i went on a health journey that, you know, I did, I was a cross, like a, a side tandem here. I was a CrossFitter like You're years. Crossfitter. I was years ago. I was a CrossFitter. I did the Murph challenge. Like I was in it. Yeah, I was in Dang. it to win it. And <laughs> it was really more physical maintenance. I had an image yeah. that I wanted to, that I got and I did get it. 
don't get me wrong, like I was super skinny, looked in shape, but I wasn't healthy because I wasn't holistically healthy and I wasn't free. So then I went on a different health journey where the Lord just really, the Holy Spirit convicted me on a lot of things and said, hey, like, you know, alcohol, for example, it started with alcohol. It was like, hey, look, um, I'm not saying you're at this place right now, but you do have a family history of substance abuse. And I'm just saying when you come home from a hard day of work, you grab the bottle of wine or the beer that's in your fridge and you constantly have to refill that in your fridge. And I had to, I had to reconstruct my relationship with alcohol in a healthy way where I'm enjoying it in moderation. And it was the same thing. It's been, it's been a journey and it's never, it's a never ending journey, but I had to redefine how I saw health holistically, mentally, physically, emotionally, especially spiritually, because that is mind, body, and soul. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a journey of breaking off legalism and licentiousness in both. What does that mean? Licentiousness means yeah. like I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, like gotcha. the YOLO thing. Like Ooh. there's there's a good balance of I want to treat myself and have fun, but also not just doing whatever like my feelings say. Like, hey, I'm just going to have like the beer because I had a really bad day. No, no, no. no. If I'm going to have a beer or a glass of wine, it's because I want that, not because I need it yeah. and switching that narrative. And so um, it's a never ending journey and balance, but I'm better than where it was but God had to get to those places and um I will say um I've been in a very long season of singleness but looking back and I used to like I used to get I I genuinely used to get asked out I'm not gonna lie like I of course like you're beautiful what do you mean thank you <laughs> so are you <laughs> I feel like we need a Christina Aguilera <laughs> song going on in here you <laughs> Yes, we need that. We need that song playing in here for all the ladies and and guys out there. Well, like, of course you got asked out. Why would you say that? Well, I just to. It wasn't like I, like by choice. I mean, not by choice. It wasn't because I had to be single. Like I did get asked out, and I would actually say no. Like there were guys that would like ask me out. I'm like no. Like and I, I just I didn't want. Like I just didn't feel worthy, and so I kind of did to myself. But you know, I always. I was joking around, see that's God's protection in a way. Like he always saw me and was always like, you know, you're you're right where I want you. But yeah, that's my story. And I think a lot of times we look at singleness as like waiting. Yeah. And it's not. You're active. Totally. You're actively healing. You're actively serving the Lord. You're actively building. You're just, you don't have that co-partner, co-laborer, I should say, yet. And he, she, like if you're a guy listening to this, they will come. They will come. But how are you tending your garden? Like the calling is still the same in, in singleness. And I know we hear that often, but as someone who's 33, who's been single, honestly single, not single by choice, but honestly single and actively, actively pursuing a higher calling for seven years, I will say it's, it's actively waiting. It's an active thing. Truly at 33, I say it's an active thing. It's not like I'm just showing up to church, showing up to a community group and praying for my husband, which is a wonderful thing, but it's like, God, how can you use me this season? Yeah. So much good stuff there that I want to like unpack. I love that you made it an active thing because I think spirituality in its essence is being aware of like okay stuff is happening right now that I'm not aware of mm -hmm. and also there's a lot to be said about how confident you are in your like healing and you knew like I just wasn't ready 
And I think that there's so many people who are looking for the right kind of person instead of becoming and mm. trying to be the right kind of person. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think that's where the cultural narrative is not there. It's like, mm -hmm. you're looking for the right guy. You have the list. Like you want to, but what are you doing for yourself, for your person? You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So the the healing and like the, yeah. you said something, it wasn't self-love, but it was like, you just tended to yourself. Like you tended cared. to your garden. Yeah. You yeah. tended to your garden and you cared for yourself. And I think that's the most important part about being in your single season and also all that you have to do because mm -hmm. you don't have the other person. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have, like even like you, even something like caring for a dog. Like once mm -hmm. I got Teddy, I was like, oh, this is like a whole other, mm -hmm. it takes away from certain other aspects of my life that I could do when I was serving in the church and was just me, myself and I. And so it wasn't about like, oh, this is my season to like be selfish. It's like, no, I can pour into all these other places because I have the time mm -hmm. and the capacity and I can you know give in that way yeah 1000 1000 percent and there's something that came oh the word stewardship i remember in 2022 red rocks our church community was doing we always do a corporate fasting which i love in january it's a month about a month long and we do it to kick off the new year and i think it's incredible and um i was fasting I was, I was doing, I was in the middle of the fast and I was praying for my husband and the Lord said, what kind of wife do you want to be? And I oh, joked, I joked wow. around and I was like, well, no, give me a boyfriend and I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, yeah, honey, that's not how this works. Um, by the way, if you're hearing like, not passive aggressive, but if you're hearing like banter between me and the Holy Spirit, that's just like how God speaks to me. That's like my love language. And he speaks to each of us differently and that is it's a beautiful way it's in a way that you can hear him so if you're like oh i don't he doesn't really say that to me listen like he's going to speak to you in your own way and that's a beautiful thing in a way that you can hear him and um anyways i he was like not how this works um <laughs> but he also then said what kind of mother do you want to be and what kind of friend do you want to be and stewardship here and I say this as a single person, and I know sometimes, I know this is so not true, but a lot of people in their minds will disqualify someone like talking about singleness. Like I remember yes. Rich Wilkerson did the um, whole marriage dating single uh, series last year because he, um, he wrote a book on singleness. And he's like, I know a lot of people think being married disqualifies me to, to, to preach on singleness, but I'm called to. And I, and I love that because... That is true. Like I know a lot of singles too will hear like a, a preacher who's been married for a very, very long time, a pastor, or even a woman like at a women's conference, a women pastor speaking on singleness. And they're like, well, you don't understand. And I'm like, N they don't understand, but like God's giving them a word to speak to us. Like he's speaking yeah. through them. This isn't like their experience isn't so-called truth. They're speaking what God's, they're, they're, God's using them. And so like open your hearts to that. And um, anyways, stewardship comes to mind because when God positioned that to me, he's like, everything you do in this season matters for your married and season, your motherhood season. So how you steward your friendships and relationships in general is a very good indicator of how you're going to steward your marriage. If you can't, so if you can't steward friends well, like if you continue to burn bridges and you hurt people, gaslight people and whatnot, whatever that looks like, if you're not stewarding those people, like those relationships well, it's a very, very good idea of how you're going to steward your marriage. 
And it's the same thing with your kids. Like it's an honor to be a wife and a husband and to be a mother and father. And that's a thing. It's not just like, I think a lot of us get into it and we think of the wedding, but God wants us to think of the covenant marriage. Like he wants us to see like the covenant and the beauty of coming together as one flesh and, and taking two lives and making them one life together and raising generations and and being the the generational curse breaker if needed but it's an honor and when you look at it as I don't have to be married like I actually God doesn't owe me marriage in this life let's be honest the only thing he guaranteed me in this life is relationship with him if I choose Jesus but he didn't guarantee me marriage or children but if that is his will for me and he places the desires in my heart, and we'll know if that's the desires he's given us on our heart. If you're actively pursuing and seeking him and you have a desire to be married and have kids, whether that looks like to adopt or foster, which are two amazing things, like honorable things. Like I have a friend who fostered. She's not married. She's not dating. And it was just incredible to walk alongside her in that journey to see like her stewarding the gift that God has given her. And that's holy but hidden like calling. I always say it's a holy and hidden calling and God's like very delighted in that obedience. But when you look at like marriage and kids, biologically adopting, fostering, whatever that looks like, it's a gift. It's an honor. It's not like God owes me this. No, he doesn't owe you anything. And I don't mean that to be mean. You have to hear me out. I've had to learn that in my singleness. Like God doesn't owe me anything but a relationship with him. That's what he promises me. And he's already given me eternity. Like he's already given me that. Like if I died tomorrow or today, never got married, I would be fully satisfied in eternity. Like I would hear the words, I know, well done, good and faithful servant. I didn't miss it, but it's a gift and it's an honor. And when you understand that marriage and parenthood is an honor, you steward everything well in your singleness. You start to steward like your relationships, friendships, and you steward even your job, your finances, your health. Like you steward those things well, not perfectly. You just steward them well. Even even the place to live, even if you're renting an apartment or a house, you steward it well because you're like, that's how I want to steward the gift that God is giving me. Yeah, that's something I wish I knew many years ago. Of like what I'm doing right now is directly impacting my future, mm-hmm. my future kids, my future husband. Mm-hmm because I didn't know that. Like you said, I also want to talk about the college era because I resonated a lot with what you said, a hundred percent. Like I was a shell of myself. I was abusing Mm -hmm. certain things because I didn't want to like face my feelings. And I've within my singleness, I mean, that was my time when I like unpacked a lot of that hurt, but like what you're saying is so good because it really is a gift. And the sooner people know that, Mm -hmm. the sooner they start stepping into their now mm-hmm. on purpose yes instead of sitting that's in good. the waiting that's good yes because i was very much like what you said of just like yolo like i'm gonna do me i'm gonna mm-hmm. move here i'm gonna go there i'm gonna do this job like it was like the kingdom of me back in my early 20s in my teens and a lot of it had to do with like pride but also suppression and also mm, pain and also yes. hurt mm-hmm. like if someone's in college listening to this right now this is what i wish i would have heard is mm. like Pay attention to what you're doing right now. Yeah. Because it will directly impact your future self and your future husband and your future kids. Yes. Let me tell you, if you're in college right now and you hear me out and you've been through, maybe you resonate with some of the things that I'm saying about some of like the surface level things I'm sharing on this podcast that I've been through. 
um, you don't have to do what I did. Like, I think sometimes we have this narrative, we go to college, especially if you grow up in a Christian home, like I need my rebellious years. No, you don't. No, you One, don't. No, I say the greatest gift that God would ever give to me, like the greatest fruit of my obedience is to, um, I'll use this as an example, but I, I especially resonated with this. We went to a conference in Antioch last fall in Waco, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was talking about discipleship and sending us to the nations and whatnot and preaching the word and it was really good and they were giving us sort of like factors on how like what do we need to ground like the truths we need to ground ourselves in in this culture in this day and age and we were in worship and we both opened up our eyes and we saw gen z like these kids in this generation just worshiping like it, they just had this love of god that i never had in high school i grew up in comfort christianity christianity excuse me in culture Christianity where I only went to church because my parents did that. I got baptized. I thought that's what you did. I went to youth group because like back then we didn't have Netflix and we didn't, which was a good thing. I mean, I look at it now and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, this wasn't a bad thing that we actually had to be friends and whatnot. Yeah. That, oh my gosh, the, the suppression, (laughs) but like, it's comfort. Like what you said. Yeah. It was, there was no relationship. God always felt far away. I didn't really know if he loved me. I mean, I said the magical prayer and that was like my whole thing. Like I was like, I don't think I was ever agnostic, but I was always like, it's either Jesus is real or there's nothing out there because I did all my other research on religions and spirituality. And I thought they were just like a knockoff brand of Christianity. And I just don't think they made a lot of sense, but um, I didn't really know if God was there because he just always felt so far away. So I felt like, you know, when I went to college, because I had no root, like that's why Jesus tells us to abide in him because church and Christian activity and community is not going to, it's not going to, it helps, but it's not going to keep you rooted in your faith. It's, it's Jesus that is. So you do not need your rebellious years. I did that. I'm going to tell you, I added on more baggage and pain than I cared than I care to if I just. Retweet. Yeah, I did. Like I, I made it harder for myself but now hear me out god is restores and redeems and he is delighted no matter we could be 80 years old and decide we want to turn back to jesus and he is delighted to do that but there's so much to be said about him seeing us as a new creation a thousand percent doesn't matter our age on the side of eternity like he you could be on your deathbed and you're like you know what i lived my whole life like alive for myself but now i'm about to die and I think there's a God and I really want to go be with him. Like he would, it's like the thief on the cross. Like that is his grace and his mercy are scandalous. Like it doesn't make sense to us, but that is that. how sufficient his grace is for us. But here's what I'm saying to you in college. You do not have to do that. Like you genuinely do not have to do that. Like I just, and you don't even do that in your mid twenties when you get out of college, stay rooted in Jesus, like stay rooted in him. And and so anyways, to my story was that we saw a generation at an age where I didn't love Jesus like that. Like I went to like snow camp and I fell asleep during one of the worship like sessions. I'm like not kidding you. Like it looked like I was praying, but I wasn't. I was, I fell asleep and it's not funny, but it's true. But these kids were genuinely worshiping. I looked over at Haley and she kind of looked at me and we both had the same thought. And I said, that is the, would be the fruit of a godly marriage for me like that would bring me more joy than anything in the world if my husband and i were worshiping and we look next to us we, we saw our kids genuinely worshiping jesus and loving him at an age where like i didn't have that love for him 
And so stay rooted, like ask the hard questions, like dig deep. Like if, if something feels superficial or just surface level, I would say like you don't need rebellious ears. I'm telling you it they did to roads that. Don't yeah, they did nothing for me. Like anything. That's, nothing. Yeah, it's like, OK, you get the momentary like dopamine hit or whatever. Yeah. It, we say this because it, it leads to destruction. 100%. It, it gave me more insecurities and it gave me more security. Like, Fact. I sure I had beer muscles, as I call them, or vodka <laughs> muscles. And, and I looked like I was the fun party girl that got whoever and whatever I wanted. But at the end of the day, I was so insecure. And now, after going through the journey of, like, shedding that, like, mm-hmm. part of myself, yeah. I've gone to Rainy Street, for example, completely sober. And my spiritual eyes can see the people around me who are drinking are drinking because they're suppressing mm, something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are dealing with stuff. Like, yeah. 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 And I and I knew that that was the case in college too, mm-hmm. but I was also doing it, so I I wasn't as aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, I even did it in my 20s. Like it wasn't just a college thing. It just boiled and bled over into my career days. And now yeah. I just had a paycheck that helped me do those things. And I was very, maturity is a choice. I want to say that. I feel like I need to sure. say that. It's a choice. I have, I know people who are around my age that still like um, operate in 21 year old Molly's um, like operation, I should say. Lifestyle. It, lifestyle. That's a better word for it. Um, it's, it's a choice. Like just because someone has a career or a house or has a business does not actually like equate maturity because I lived in four different cities. I was living in New York city. I had my whole career planned out in sports and I had like money to an extent. I was still a millennial with a student loan debt, but I had money to, to an extent I was traveling the world and I was doing all kinds of cool things on like, for for the eye on social media to see but I was selfish I only like I was only a good friend when I wanted to be like really and I don't mean like good friend but I mean like if it was convenient for me to do something nice like I would do it but if it was inconvenient for me I wouldn't do it and like I selfish with my money I would only spend money on what made me feel good like the selflessness that I have today um like it's everything is God's my time my money, my, um, my relationships, mm-hmm. my, That's a big one. yeah, at my healing, everything is credited to him. And there's a freedom in that. There's so much freedom in that to be like, Hey, like what, like wh- who can I bless today? God, this is your money. This is not mine. And, um, I had to choose maturity and it was when I surrendered to Jesus and I was like, okay, now I'm all in. Like this life is yours. And when you, f- and it sounds like the world would tell you that's like suppressing yourself. It's not, it's that's really not what I was just thinking yeah. like beforehand. I thought like Christianity equals rules and I can't do this mm-hmm. and I can't do that. But really you're in chains when you're not with the Lord. hundred percent. You are tied to that addiction. You are tied to your screen. You are tied to the mm-hmm. validation. And there's something about what you said about surrendering. Like when yeah. you were 27, like I finally surrendered yeah. my life to him. Yeah. That's where like, and I want to decompress the word freedom here because mm-hmm. there's some people here who hear freedom and they don't understand like the Christian phrase oh, of yeah, freedom. Yeah. So I want you to break that down because we're all chasing freedom, mm-hmm. right? But what is a spiritual definition in your, in your mind? That it's not all on you. Um, that someone, that it's on someone else, like a higher being, which is Yahweh, Yeshua, God. 
probably said Yeshua wrong because, but we're all learning. Um, but that is true freedom to wake up every day. I'll, I'll say this when I was unemployed, I lost my job in December. That was one of the thing, the losses. Um, if you listen to the last episode and I didn't, there was a lot of uncertainty in December. I'm going to say that that was just one of the pieces of the puzzle, but there was a ton of uncertainty. I genuinely, when I tell you, like, I didn't know what was next. I always say like, if I didn't have God in that season, like that was a moment where I was like, if, if, if God's not real, like I'm in real trouble because like, I don't know what's next. Like when you can come into something like that and you're like, okay, God's got me. That releases me of the worry. Same thing with finance. You're like, God, I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. I don't know how I'm going to put food on the table. To rely on the creator of the universe who is authority over everything, even if you don't can't see it or you don't know, to know that he's real and he's got you, that is freedom. Because it's like the parable, Jesus talks about the parable of the two builders. One built his life on sand, one built it on the rock. And the sinking sand is is culture, the things of this world, even even church. Some people build their lives on church and Christianity, and it's not Jesus, like it's not actual Jesus. And sometimes the singing sands really great things. It's your marriage, your kids, it's the wedding. work, the wedding, it's the boyfriend. Yeah, it's church, it's community, and they're good things. But like when the storm hits, you lose your job, you get broken up with, you lose somebody physically. When the storm hits, those things are not going to sustain you because one of those things has been ripped out from under the ground under you, what you built your life on. But the rock is Jesus and the word of God. And so even when the storm hits and Jesus says when the storm, he doesn't say if yeah. the storm came, he's like, N-. he was very, Jesus was very honest. Like he was very honest about this life. And he said, Hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome it. And that's a promise you can stand on. And that is freedom. So when you're going through it, And even in your waiting of singleness, when you're like, God, I know that you've given me this desire of my heart and I'm praying for my husband or my wife every day. I know that you want me to have kids. I don't know what that looks like yet. I think it's biologically or I think you want me to adopt or foster, but that could totally change. It could be all three. Um, I don't know what my house is going to look like. But like when you trust in a God like that has is his promises are yes and amen, all striving ceases. So that's freedom to be like, I no longer have to work to earn like my identity, my value, my business. If you're like, God, you've given this to me on my heart, my business, like you're going to build this. You can trust that God's going to build it. He might have to refine your character to build it. He might have to take you through a process, which that's a good thing. But that is freedom is it's like Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and who give you rest. Yeah. Like. For my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And it's true. Like even like the dating life, like I like you've got the dating apps where people are constantly swiping and looking for someone. And I'm not busting on the dating apps. I think that there can be some really good use for them. However, like sometimes it just feels like striving. And when you trust God, like you trust him, like you're just like, God, if the dating apps aren't working out for me, you must have a bigger plan for me. You can cease that striving. So good. I want to visit, revisit the promise versus Mm -hmm. the promiser Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people within their singleness Mm -hmm. are holding on to the promise, Mm -hmm. whether it be the wedding or the house or 
the baby, whatever it is. And I just want to revisit that again because I really loved what you said last time. Because maybe, not that God is like a God of like give and take, but maybe that's what he's refining in you is like your mind, someone's mindset of like, hey, focus on me instead of the thing that's going to fail you because you're making that your God. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll say this. I've been challenged in the secret place by the Holy Spirit is if I never received the promise on this side of eternity, would I still would I still consider this life? Would I can still consider it joy? And so if I never got married on this side of eternity, never had kids, never got a house or my Frenchie, would I still like find joy? And that's a hard question to answer because I know that those desires are real. Trust me, I'm 33 and I'm single. And by definition, the world says I'm behind, right? Like it says I'm behind. But at the end of the day, if I never got married, let's just say I entered eternity as a single woman and I heard the, the words, well done, good and faithful servant, would that be enough? And that's a hard question to answer because those are real desires, but also like it really does check your heart is the desire of my heart, Jesus. And I think, and I'm not being mean. I've been there where I've put more of my, more of my faith in the promise than the promiser. Yeah, and, um, and it's really like, and it's it's sort of too, um, why do you want the promise? Like, do you want it to glorify yourself or do you want to glorify God? Like I read, I heard a sermon the other day that basically said the favor of the Lord isn't to spoil you, it's to use you. So like, do you want to build a business because you want to feel good and it's to glorify yourself? Or do you want to build a business to glorify God? Do you want to get married because you just don't want to be alone and you're afraid of the... Um, you're afraid of like the identity the world's going to give you that you're behind or do you want to get married to glorify God, break generational curses, raise up a generation of disciples? Do you want a house because you just want to be alone and you want to do things your way and to show that like you're responsible or do you want a house because you want to host and show hospitality and have a family there, you know? And that's a really hard question to answer. And I've been in situations where I've had to be checked a few times of why I want these things. And um, it's even like when you ask for a job promotion, like I even go there, like, God, I want more money. Why do you want more money? Because I want more money. Well, do you want more money so you can bless others? I mean, yes, hear me out. Like money can help you get out. Like it's not I don't want to say money is the root to all evil. There's a verse about that, but it's how you use the it. Love of money. The love of money. There you go. It's the love of money. It's not money itself. It's the love of money. But um, if you, because there's, you know, you can be like, hey God, like I want a job promotion that that gives me more money to bless others, to be able to host people, to to get myself out of debt. And um, but then there's like, I want a job promotion because I think I deserve it. And you know what? You may be right. You may deserve it. And I support that 100% support that. But it just, and I know I sound radical probably. And I sound like some people will be like, wow, it's just, you know, that's just intense. That's just legalism. It's, it's not. There's freedom in that to not make this life all about what I get out of it. And it's hard. I've, I've literally been in situations where I've realized that like, I really want the marriage more than I want Jesus. Like really, like I've had, I've, I've been in that. I've been in the situations where I really want a job promotion more just to get more money than because like, I want to, I want to be used by God with more money. And I'm also thinking about 
we had a guest also named Molly who wrote a book, How Much More. Mm. Like, how much more does he love you? Yeah. Like, you have those desires because he's going to fulfill the promise. Yeah. And, like, you pray for your husband. Like, your intentions are so pure. Yeah. And so there. So, I don't know. I, I, I just hear you and I know that you're heart is in check right like the mm -hmm. lord has checked you you're in the secret place you talked about that last time like mm -hmm. he checks you i want to hear about how you've stewarded your friendships because you are really good about that mm. you are so good you are a good intentional friend and i know that you mentioned before it hasn't always been like that so what was that transition like yeah, it's, um, I'm not perfect, by the way. I just want to say that I'm definitely not perfect. I always want to keep myself, like, make sure that I, everyone hears me. I've not arrived. I'm certainly not perfect. I I can name you all of my flaws. <laughs> I can name you all of my flaws, give you a heads up. Um, but honestly, it transitioned when I started looking at friends as a gift from God. Mm. They're gifts. Good friendships are gifts. Totally solid gold gold treasures just like absolute treasures and a lot of times well at least for me and I know this can be true for probably most people's we use relationships for selfish desires and we use them to make ourselves feel good um we use them to be like hey like build me up like look at me encourage me like tell me how great I am and for you know, I think we all do that. I've been there and I've done that. And I just haven't really had, like, to be, like, I've been in rooms where I've had, like, 30 people in the room, like, know my name, but not know me. Um, to not know me. Yeah. But oh, to, to be at a table with people, to, to get dinner with your people, and them to know you, like, to know all of your flaws and have seen you at your worst, but also have seen you at your best and still choose you. And for me, how I've like honored that is just really just being intentional with the intentionality is to look at them as gifts. Like those friends are not mine. Like they're my friends, but they they belong to God. Every human being belongs, like should belong to God. Like they're every, I, I want to say every human being bears the image of God, whether they know him or not. And that's how you, that's how I treat interactions too with people is like, I could totally disagree on your choices and what you believe, but I can hold those biblical convictions and love them and meet them where they're at. Because yes. like by disrespecting that person, I'm disrespecting God. And it's, I'm, it's not always easy and I'm not always good at it, especially when like, you know, when that person has a strong personality or like really comes at me or feel, I feel like pushed up against a wall, not physically, but figuratively. But to honor a human being is to honor God. And it's to, regardless of how they're living, what they're choosing. Like I've seen Christians say some of the nastiest things on the internet about people. Yeah. And what's crazy is like the foundational truth of where it's coming from. Like we agree on, but it's not the love of Christ. It's not the love of Jesus. You're taking legalism and you're placing it on someone who doesn't even know Jesus. And you're taking the place of a seat and judging people and condemning them to hell already. And like every person that wakes up and breathes, it's God's grace of another shot to get to know him. And like you're already condemning them to hell. And just some of the nastiest comments, I just, I can't believe like you would say things about those, like about people like that. You can disagree, but to like say some of those things, what politically, whatever it is. So like 
those to I went on a ramble there, but to come back to the friendships is like they're not mine, they're God's. And who he has placed in my life is an absolute gift. And there's something in every friend that I can just value and I love so much. And um how I steward my friendships is how I steward the gifts God has given me. How he's given me. What and you know, and also too, I'll say this is to learn to let people show up as who they are. And that's like discernment too. Like you're like, you have to discern, is this person a really good friend or are they just actually not a good friend? Yes. And I'm not being mean about that, but like there's the difference between standards and expectations. There's a standard of a godly, a good godly, solid friend who like there's a standard and any friend that doesn't, person that doesn't meet that standard, they're probably not the best of friend. Not being mean, I'm just being honest. And then there's expectations. I expect you to act this way. I expect you to do this for me. And that's selfishness. And that's like, hey, like that's something to discern with the Holy Spirit in the secret place. Like, hey, is that a standard or an expectation? Because if that's an expectation, that's on you. And how I how I discern that is when I find myself getting annoyed with all my friends, getting annoyed with all my friends in the same area. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like if Like if I'm getting frustrated with each friend about the same thing, I'm like, no, that's on me. That's your expectation. <laughs> this is an expectation. This is not them. I'm placing an expectation on them that they have no idea about and that they are not expected to live up to, that only Jesus can fulfill. But if they're not living up to a standard, then it's time to reevaluate the friendship. and Like th- a basic standard of what, for example? Um, all right. I'll give you three things. Intentionality, dependability, and accountability. Good stuff intentionality are they intentional with you i'm not talking about texting you every day that's that's an expectation are they intentional about spending quality time and and by the way i do want to say this that you have to be the friend that you want that's and this isn't like new age theology this is biblical like foundation this is you reap what you sow and like what are you sowing into are you sowing into the holy spirit for these godly friends and being the person and this isn't about law of attraction or anything. It's just like if you have to have the character and the integrity to have good godly friends. Because people who are like friends who are quality do not want to like we're not being mean. It's just no one wants to be around someone who doesn't hold the character and integrity at their level. And so if you you have to have these three traits if you want to have good friends. So intentionality, it goes, it's two-way street. Like, are you guys spending intentional time together? Like I love my group of friends. But the the icing on the cake are the the movie and the wine nights and the hanging out as a group. But, you know, it's just what is a treasure to me is when I know every person in that room individually and we have a different relationship with each person and we know what makes each other laugh and we appreciate our differences. It's like the kingdom of heaven. Dependability. Do they show up? Man, wilderness and winter seasons will show you who your people are. I will tell you that. They will show you who your people are. And so true. They, friendships do not replace Jesus. Jesus is the shepherd of your good soul in those seasons, so they cannot be your savior, but God gives you friend, good people in the wilderness. And it's, you know, this life is a marathon, and your friends are not at the finish line. Those are not your people. The people are the ones who got up at 5 a.m. to meet you at mile 12 to champion you, even though they may have not wanted to. They may have not wanted to get up at 5 a.m., but they chose to because they love you, and love is a choice. And then accountability. Can they be held accountable? 
can you hold each other accountable? So are they letting you live in your bad habits or are they like, are they encouraging you in bad habits or are they, are they sitting with you in your pain or meeting you where they are loving you, but also like, Hey, I love you enough not to leave you that way and pushing you closer to Christ. Um, I think we love, I think a lot of people love the idea of accountability, but the moment that you show up as a, as a good friend uh, we we run away from it because our idea of accountability is sort of watered down to the self-help of like, I want you to hold me accountable in my truth and what how the life I want to live instead of, hey, I'm seeing these red flags. I'm saying this to you in love. I'm just, I just want to bring this to attention. And it's not policing behavior. It's not behavior modification. I want to say like ticking and tacking everything someone does. It's just patterns choices relationships that are leading to destruction and it's like over time that you're noticing like okay this is not good and i'm going to say this in love and i'm going to run the risk of ruffling this person's feathers and i'm going to run that risk of ruffling that person's feathers and it may not be received well yeah that's a big thing too is like the receiving it because there's always that risk of like okay I'm feeling like I need to call this out, mm-hmm. lovingly speak the truth in love. And then it's like not received well. I, for the sake of time, I, I know this is like opening in a can of worms, but I, I'm i curious on your thoughts on like friend separations mm. and like how to handle that. Because I know we as, if you're a human, you've gone through that. Mm-hmm. And it's like a weird grief and loss period where this person was there and now they're it just kind of fizzled or there was mm-hmm. an abrupt stopped as a Christian, as a believer, how would you handle that with, with Jesus? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So geez, if you're an elder millennial, I'm going to bring this up because it was, I just watched this episode. I'm on this like nostalgic tour where I'm rewatching all my old shows. Um, I'm like rewatching the Hills right now. And oh. I just watched the Lauren Conrad, Heidi Montag, like, ultimate friendship breakup and like that like man any lc kristen cavalieri beef on laguna was outdone by this one episode really oh i feel like it yeah like you just forgot about all the beef because you're just like this was the most i just remember how to do with spencer oh yeah and it was you know i love that you're bringing this i know and you know it was lauren and by the way i'm not I'm team, you need to know something about me. I'm team Jesus first and then team Elsie forever. Really? Oh, no. No, I hope you're team Kristen post Laguna Beach. I genuinely hope you're team Kristen post Laguna Beach. But, oh, frenemies. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but like really, like back in the day, that was like a thing where you're like team Elsie, team Kristen. At the time I was, El- or yeah, I was Elsie because she's like portrayed as a nice girl. And then the more I knew Kristen, I was like, wait, I like, Kristen is just openly mean. I think she knows how to work reality TV. Hundred. I liked Kristen Cavalieri in the Hills because of how Elsie left and like all those girls like hated her for. I don't want to say she was the best person, but being a good friend and Kristen just came on and was like, I was like, man, y'all thought like Lauren was like annoying. I was like, wait till Kristen just like tells you how she feels, and that's exactly what she did. And that was the only time that I really liked Kristen Cavalieri on the Hills. I was like, man. Didn't like like you. Yeah. But okay. Elsie, Heidi Montag, what happened? Yeah. So um, it was over Spencer. It was like they used to be best friends. And she came in probably like the last season of Laguna Beach. And like Elsie and and Heidi became like really close. And they went to to L.A. together. And she got in this relationship with this guy. 
And it just started, it just changed the whole dynamic of not just their friendship, but like her other friendships. But I just think Lauren more had the the boldness to say something to her um, because she actually says in one of the episodes, I think Aldrina's like dating someone that's not great. And Lauren's like, hey, you know what? I'm just keep my mouth shut because it gets me in trouble. Like <laughs> being a friend kind of gets me in trouble. Mm-hmm. And like we've all been there where we're yep. like, oh, my gosh, am I really going to be the peacemaker again? <laughs> like, am I going to have to say this again? So anyways, there was a um, epi- this episode and Heidi comes up and wants to apologize. And basically, it's kind of one of those half apologies. And I'm not saying, again, not glorifying Lauren Conrad because she was young in the hills. We all yeah. were. We've all been Heidi Montag and we've all been Lauren Conrads. I just need I yeah. need to say that. But basically just says, yeah, kind of gives this gaslight apology. Like, I'm sorry for the way things went down. I'm sorry, like, they ended this way. But, like, let's just... Let's move on. Like, let's just put this behind us and be friends. Well, which is to me like key language for I'm going to continue making these choices and I want you to accept these and just be my friend again. And Lauren Conrad kind of was having none of it. And so for the first time, I really saw in a way, I want to say in a way, because it wasn't, I'm not saying trade in the gospel for the hills. It's not what I'm, (laughs) that is not what I'm saying. In a way, it kind of modeled how Jesus asks us to shake the dust off. Uh, uh, and she had said to Heidi, she looked at her and she goes, you know what? We clearly don't see this the same way, which is why we probably will never be friends again. She goes, but I accept your apology. I appreciate it. Thank you. She goes, I know that was really hard for you. She goes, I've forgiven you. I wish you no ill will. I hope you have a wonderful life with Spencer and I hope he's everything that you dreamed of. But I'm going to forget you. And I'm not going to forget our friendship. I remember that iconic line. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not going to for- forget your friendship and the good times we had. I'm not going to forget what this mo- like this taught me. But I have to move forward without you. And I don't think you ever, and this is why I say like in a way for the gospel, because I don't ever think that we forget these things. But in a way, Lauren Conrad was saying, I, I haven't forgotten you or erased you. It's just I'm moving on without you because... Yeah. And my therapist actually said this to me, therapy forever with Jesus. My therapist said this to me yesterday in our session. She says, like, you are the water, like the level of water that that you rise to, like meaning like, you know, the moment that you are healing, you build your character. There are people you have to leave behind because they just want you to accept them as they are. And they're not great choices, not great behavior patterns. And you're like, I'm no longer there. And that's kind of what Lauren Conrad was saying. And she wasn't mean. She wasn't like, I I hate you. I hope bad things happen to you. And even throughout the Hills, like, I mean, there's sometimes she mentions her, but really she does display, like, I'm not after revenge against Heidi. Like, there's never a time where she's like, let's gang up and give revenge to Heidi. Yeah. Um, but it's really, she walked away, didn't live in bitterness and said, okay, like have a great life. Like I'm no longer there. Like that's who you're choosing to be right now. I, I can't, we're not on the same level. And so when I think of shake the dust, I think of Jesus tells the disciples, if they don't accept you, shake shake the dust off your feet. And that's really hard, right? When you've been wronged and the other person really has like feels justified in what they did. Um, I remember like Lisa Turkhurst said something that was really good in one of her podcasts. She says, or actually not her podcast, it was her book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. And she says, um, you know, sometimes there has to be a goodbye, but make it a God bye. So when you're saying goodbye to that person, it looks like you spent time with Jesus. And sometimes it's simply 
not really saying your piece, not getting a platform to bring justice to that person. It's really just shaking the dust off your feet and doing a Lauren Conrad, but gospel 2.0, meaning yeah. like I've forgiven you. I want no ill will. I hope you find all the healing in the world. I, I hope you have a great life. However, I, I do have to forget you because this next season of my life, like you can't come with me mm-hmm. and not living in bitterness and revenge, but like living in, these are my people. This is a new season. It hurt. I will never forget what it taught me. I'm going to let God deal with justice there. I'm going to let him deal with my heart, but I'm going to shake the dust off my feet and I've given it to God. All right, yeah. cool. Shaking the dust off my feet and I'm going to give this to you, Jesus. And it's not easy. Sometimes for- freedom. Yeah. It's not easy. Sometimes forgiveness is an everyday thing. Some days you wake up and you're like, I have to forgive this person again. I have to go to the secret place and lay this down. Sometimes you're really good at it. Sometimes you're like, I genuinely don't care. But yeah. You said something to me one time that has resonated with me. And it was like, your relationships rise the level of your health. Yeah. So the healthier you get, the more character you have around you. And sometimes it can be lonely because there's a lot. We I feel like we're in a generation sometimes of processing but not healing. Like we love to ruminate on our issues and just talk over and over and over, but we don't actually like to like own, own our stuff and actually heal to get better. Like we'd rather stay bitter and we pay a therapist a fee to stay bitter. And it's really sad because God has given us the gifts of therapy to, to actually help us and And to go there. Yeah. To move forward and move on. Well, that's so good. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that wisdom. And for being on here again mm, and coming yeah. back. I just appreciate your wisdom always. And of course. Thank you for being on here and sharing all the wealth and wisdom God's given you. Mm, thank you for, for starting this and saying yes to God and, and having me on here too. For sure. For sure. Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. We hope you found this episode valuable. If so, please share with a friend or post on your story and tag us. If there's a season you're currently going through, slide into our DM. We're bringing the social back into social media. So send us a DM at Soul S-E-N Podcast. Thanks for pressing play. We can't wait to hear from you.